I went to Canada and hosted Q for a week last week, and the very nice people at Q were nice enough to let me use some stuff I did there for here. There are a few F-bombs at the top, but it's PG-13 after that. Soundworks. Soundworks. From PRI. This is Sideshow, a podcast from Studio 360. I'm Sean ramos Newspapers and magazines are kind of having a rough go of it on the internet, but advice columns seem to be doing better than ever. Andrew W.K. has a great one at The Village Voice. T-Pain drops nuggets of wisdom at Vice. Haruki Murakami himself launched one last month. But for most internet advice lovers, there'll never be anything better than Dear Sugar, a column that ran for years on the literary website The Rumpus. Dear Sugar, I write like a girl. I write about my lady life experiences, and that usually comes out as unfiltered emotion, unrequited love, and eventual discussion of my vagina as metaphor. And that's when I can write, which doesn't happen to be true anymore. Right now, I am a pathetic and confused young woman of 26, a writer who can't write. I lie face down on my bed and feel scared. I get up, go to the computer, feel worse. How do I reach the page when I can't lift my face off the bed? How does a woman get up and become the writer she wishes she'd be? Dear Alyssa, when I was 29, I had a chalkboard in my living room. On one side, I wrote, the first product of self-knowledge is humility, Flannery O'Connor. And on the other side, I wrote, she sat and thought of only one thing, of her mother holding and holding onto their hands, Eudora Welty. How many women wrote beautiful novels and stories and poems and essays and plays and scripts and songs in spite of all the crap they endured? How many of them didn't collapse in a heap of, I could have been better than this, and instead went right ahead and became better than anyone would have predicted or allowed them to be? The unifying theme is resilience and faith. The unifying theme is being a warrior and a motherfucker. It's nerve. And if your nerve deny you, as Emily Dickinson wrote, go above your nerve. So write, Alyssa. Not like a girl, not like a boy. Write like a motherfucker. Yours, Sugar. Sugar debuted in 2010 and quickly became the Internet's best friend. She really has this willingness to share herself in in her responses to other people's problems. And I think that that is what makes it feel truly universal. This is the writer Anne Friedman. She wrote about Dear Sugar in New York Magazine, about how instead of directly giving her friends advice, she just points them to Dear Sugar's advice. She doesn't sort of say, well, like, let me tell you from my perch up here exactly what you should do in the sort of Dear Abby or like the ethicist style. It's much more of a, it feels kind of like talking it out with a friend might. A really smart, experienced friend. Oh my God, the most articulate, compassionate friend. (laughs) For a long time, no one knew who was behind Dear Sugar's super personal and revealing essays, and that didn't really matter. But in 2012, Sugar came out. Turns out she was Cheryl Strayed. Why do I have to walk a thousand miles? Happy trail, Cheryl. 2012 was a very big year for Cheryl. She also released this memoir called Wild, which, of course, now is a movie. You get lonely. Reese Witherspoon plays Cheryl in Wild. Cheryl got stuck with the role of woman in truck. Last week I got to speak with Cheryl while guest hosting Q and she was stoked that I mentioned the cameo. Hi, it's great to be here and I love that you gave me credit for 
playing the truck driver in the movie of Wild. Yeah, do people, are people that. recognizing you on the street now? Hey, you're the truck yeah. driver in Wild. <laughs> I think there should be a special category at the Oscars, you know, for the best cameo. Right. And, uh, you know, I had so much fun. Uh, drop, I, I dropped off at the beginning of the movie. I dropped off Reese Witherspoon. So I'm, so I'm dropping off like my younger version of myself before <laughs> she sets out on the trail. The younger self that Reese plays went through some serious life. In addition to hiking the Pacific Coast Trail, there was marriage, infidelity, divorce, drugs, death, you name it. Dear Sugar gave such great advice because Cheryl had lived through so much. The success of Wild sort of meant the demise of Dear Sugar in 2012. Cheryl put out a book of Dear Sugar's greatest hits called Tiny Beautiful Things, and that was that. But now that the movie's all done, Dear Sugar's coming back, but it's going to look a little different. It's going to be a podcast. Blame Serial. So I always felt that maybe I had sort of not quite finished my work as Sugar. And so when Steve Almond, the, the fellow who had originated the column, um, called me up and said, how about we do this podcast? I said yes. And I said yes, even though there were all these reasons to say no. It just sounded like fun to me. And that's kind of, I let that, that I let my gut drive a lot of my uh, decisions um, as I advise other people to do as sugar. And so I essentially did it because it just, I, I thought I should. And the column was super intimate. And now we have this podcast. And I was surprised to find that it feels even more intimate. How do you feel the audience will react to that? Oh, that's so interesting because it really is, to me, very. it feels very different because, of course, the column is a literary experience. I crafted essays, essentially. You know, people who, who buy Tiny Beautiful Things, a lot, one thing I hear over and over is they'll say, well, I don't know, I, I don't read advice columns, I'm not interested in advice columns. And then they read the book and they see that actually I've written, you know, pretty deep and sort of far-ranging uh, sort of, essays about what it means to be human. And Steve and I do that same thing conversationally as we, as we talk about other people's problems and read those letters. But it's, a, you know, it's different. It's not crafted on the page. We do not uh, write any scripts before we go in. I read the letters and I have maybe an idea of what kind of advice I'm going to give. But so much of it really just happens in the moment. Um, we, we tell stories about our own lives in the course of giving advice. But I swear, at least 90% of those stories um, just come up as I'm looking in, you know, at Steve and talking in that studio. Right. And you said that you'll take on questions no matter how deep or dark. So I'm, I'm curious, what are like the hardest questions to tackle for you guys? Things like, what, what do you do if you find that you're, you're still haunted by your childhood and you're in your 60s? You know, does that wounded child within ever really heal? Um, these are deep questions. That, that It's not that we know the answers to them. It's that we're interested in seeking uh, some, I guess, enlightenment along the way. And then there are also the, the, the you know, very mundane and yet impossible to um, resolve questions. We get a lot of questions like, look, I've been in love for 20 years with my spouse, and, uh, you know, I, I, we're great friends, but we've lost the passion. You know, how do we get it back? What do we do? And it is, you know, one of the things we've always done as advice givers, both me and Steve, we say, listen, we don't know the answers. We're not, uh, you know, telling you what to do, but rather grappling with the question ourselves in our own lives. And so we share stories from our lives and our marriages and our experiences as parents and, and so forth. And, and you call that radical empathy, right? Sharing your own stories as a way of helping others with their personal problems. What exactly does that term mean? Is that all it is, is just telling people what you've been through? 
you know, what that word radical means, I think so often we think that means like fringe or to the extreme. And the, but the root of that word is connected to, it means at the core, you know, at, at, the, at the deepest level. And I do think that one thing that, that listeners get from the Dear Sugar Radio podcast and readers get from the Dear Sugar column is I never sat in, in judgment of anyone. You know, even if I did um, sometimes give some stern advice and say you need to really think about this or rethink this. But I always felt, I always feel like I'm empathizing with the letter writer rather than condemning. And I think sometimes advice can have that. Uh, we, we sort of think advice as somebody telling us what to do uh, because they know the way. And I've always thought of myself as somebody who said, well, I don't know the answers, but what I can do is help you seek a deeper, you know, find a way to ask deeper questions. And on that note, is there something that since you don't know the answers, are there some subjects that you and Steve have already agreed on that you will not touch? No, there are no, there are no questions we will not touch. And, and sometimes that's challenging. Um, what we do is we call writers up, writers who, who we admire or who are our friends, and we ask them, what they think of an issue. So, for example, we recently uh, talked to Elizabeth Gilbert. She's going to be on a future episode talking about her decision not to become a mother. Um, Steve and I are both parents. Uh, we recently talked to George Saunders about how to um, take negative criticism, you know, of your books in the world. We did an episode on polyamory that, again, these are all future episodes, um, where we called a friend of ours who's in a non-monogamous marriage because that's not our experience. And so when we don't know all of the answers, which is always, um, we, we bring the conversation wider and we enlist other voices. I feel like you are like an old school oversharer in a way. We have like so many people oversharing on social media now, but you were there first doing it in print. Um, That's right. And since, well, you know, I have always been that way. And, right. And I, 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 it's just part of who I am. I've always been the person who is interested in going one step further when it comes to risking intimacy. You know, I, I'm sort of famous for, you know, just being really bad at polite cocktail party conversation. I'm always like, well, why did you get divorced? Or, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I want to know why. I want to know what's really happening. And as someone who shares so much in this column, in this podcast now, in your writing, in your memoirs, do you, do you ever feel like there's a, a peril or a, a ramification with, with oversharing or just sharing? I don't think of it as oversharing because I do think, listen, this is what we're here for, especially if you're an artist. You're here to tell the truth of what it means to be human. And I'll tell you that my reward for that has been that so many people say to me, thank you. You know, after a while, I mean, right. I still get mail constantly about Wild, and so many people who have experienced deep grief, for example, have written to me and said, thank you for telling your truth, because it's also my truth. And hmm. that's what you're doing. When you're telling the truth, you're speaking with a universal voice. You're not, it isn't just about, uh, oh, look at me, look at me. In fact, it's not, I'm not interested in that. I don't think that my stories are any more interesting than anyone else's stories. In some ways, when I do share like that, what I'm trying to do in every way, what I'm trying to do is invite other people um, to, to tell me about their, their story, tell me their stories too. To be fair, the world seems to think that your stories are more interesting than the average stories. Right? <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to Sideshow. Extra thanks to Lee Tom Willard at Studio 360, Kathy Merritt at PRI, 
Alain Derbez, Brian Colton, Richard Goddard, and the entire staff of Q in Toronto, but especially Rachel Matlow, who produced this puppy. Thanks to Krista Ripple and Anna Sale, who were the voices who read the Dear Sugar column at the top. We really, really condensed that thing, so sorry, Cheryl Strayed. And thanks to Tessa Stewart and Kara Connor for helping with this one. Sideshow is supported in part by PRI's New Voices Fund, bringing new perspectives and personalities to public media. Donors to the fund include Maureen and Michael Rutgers and the Sarah and Evan Williams Foundation. Soundworks. Soundworks. From PRI. I mean, I figure if Thank Reese you. was nominated for playing you, you should get at least some of the credit, right? I, I, exactly. Well, we're going we're gonna to split the statue uh, if she wins. Like but, at know, the waist also, or right down the middle? 